Tuesday, May 29th, 2018. You are listening to the Daily Dose Sports Podcast, and I am your host, Clint Daly. I am coming to you from right here in Denver, Colorado. We are in the Mile High City. Hey, you know, we get together every single weekday. We talk sports. We bring you what is hopefully a dose of common sense and maybe just mix in a tiny bit of sarcasm here or there. You know, we are happy to have you here with us today. Happy Tuesday to you. We are back after what I hope you had a long and restful weekend had Memorial Day weekend this weekend. I hope you got to get away from your job a little bit. Maybe you got some time away from work. Maybe you got some time to spend with family. Reflect on things. Think about those that we lost. We'd like to do that on Memorial Day. And also, maybe you stuffed yourself full of barbecue and you watched a number of sporting events. Hey, let's be honest. That's what we're all doing over Memorial Day, isn't it? At least a little bit here or there. But now, we are back to work this morning. But I do have good news for you. It is already Tuesday. Yes, no stinking Mondays for us this week, and that is a very good thing. Hey, if you'd like to contact us, let us know how you spent your long weekend. We'd love to hear from you. Hit us up on email, dailydosports at gmail.com, or you can go find us over on Facebook or Twitter. Both of those handles are at dailydosports. Maybe you've got a question. Maybe you've got a comment. Maybe you have a suggestion for us. Whatever it might be, we would love to hear from you. Feel free to reach out. Today on the show, I actually, I've got something a little bit different for you. Yes, we're going to discuss a little breaking news that took place over the weekend, but then I have a very special interview for you that I think you're going to want to hear. It's a little different, but then, you know, we're a little bit different, right? So maybe it is just par for the course here for us at The Daily Dose. So make sure that you stick around for that. It is going to be something that I think you're going to enjoy. Now, before we get to that, We do have a little breaking news that we have to get to, and I'm going to do this starting off on this Tuesday, getting back to work, getting back into the grind. I've got a little bit of a confession to make, and it's going to sound crazy, but last night, Monday night, we had game one of the Stanley Cup final between the Washington Capitals and the Vegas Golden Knights, and it started just a little bit earlier, and then we had game seven of the NBA Western Conference Finals starting between the Golden State Warriors and the Houston Rockets. So when the NHL game starts, I turn that game on. I'm watching it. It's a very intense game. A lot of excitement. First Stanley Cup final ever in Vegas history. Needless to say, that home crowd is going crazy. But then when the NBA game does get started, I flip over and start watching Rockets-Warriors Game 7. And I'm watching the home team, Houston Rockets. They're playing pretty well early. They're playing tough defense. They're contesting shots. They're holding the Golden State Warriors to just 19 first quarter points. Hey, the Rockets are playing without Chris Paul. They're doing the best they can. Eric Gordon is stepping in. He's playing some crucial minutes for them. On the other side, the Warriors are without Andre Iguodala. And we know they don't have a ton of depth over on that side. It's one game. Strap it up. Get it done. Winner goes on. Loser goes home. This is game seven, right? All the cards are on the table. Somebody is going to the NBA Finals from this game. So the Rockets get off to a good start. They're leading early. But in the second quarter, I see the Warriors starting to figure things out. Starting to understand how they can get better looks. Starting to play a little bit better defense here or there. Maybe more importantly, Kevin Durant starts to find his shooting touch. 
And late in the second quarter, I start to see Golden State close the gap. They get it down to 11 going in at halftime. And I'm going to make a confession to you, Daily Dose listener right here. I turn the channel. What? I turn the channel back over to the NHL game because I already knew what was coming. And it did end up coming. Steph Curry goes crazy in the third quarter. The Golden State Warriors outscore the Rockets 58-38 to in the second half. And for the fourth year in a row, the Golden State Warriors will face the Cleveland Cavaliers in the NBA Finals. Are we excited about this Finals? Is anyone excited about this Finals? I don't know if I'm excited about this Finals. Will this be any different than last year when the Warriors rolled to a title in five games? Well, maybe, possibly, because of that injury to Andre Iguodala. And we know that Golden State doesn't have that depth. That bench is pretty short. If the Warriors are at full strength and Iguodala comes back healthy, yeah, I don't like the Cavs' odds. And by the way, the Cleveland Cavaliers did win a Game 7 of their own on Sunday in Boston. Not an easy place to play. They get that win. LeBron James carries the Cavs to a Game 7 win on Sunday in Boston. Now, the NBA Finals will actually begin Thursday night in Golden State. And never fear, here at the Daily Dose, we will preview those finals for you on Thursday. So I'm flipping back and forth between these two games all night. Of course, Golden State gets the win. But on a side note, by the way, I hope you did watch a little of that game one of the Stanley Cup final. Because Vegas won that game 6-4. to four. But that was a one-goal game throughout, high intensity, crazy excitement. The hometown Vegas fans, they're definitely into their team. They're into this postseason run. That was a fun game. That was a great finish. Game two is going to be tomorrow night. You know, this series in the NHL, and not that the NHL is the most popular sport in this country, it's obviously not, but I'm telling you, this series, it looks like it's going to be very, very evenly matched. It's going to be a lot of fun. After last night... These two, the NBA and the NHL, should not be opposite of each other again. I'm telling you, if you're not a hockey fan, watch some of these Stanley Cup final games. You will be highly entertained. We're going to be talking about a lot more NBA, and I would assume probably some NHL, later this week. But coming back, I have something. I told you, it's a little different for you. I have an interview coming with a longtime friend of the show, and it's someone that I have wanted to sit down with for quite a while it's a little different story than anything we've had here on The Dose before, but I do think you're going to enjoy it. Give it a chance. We're going to get to it right after this. Like I said, you know, today on the show, I've wanted to do this interview for a long time. And what better time than right now as we begin the summer and we head into auto racing season. Now, you might be sitting there thinking to yourself, why am I going to listen to an interview with a race car driver? I don't care one ounce about race car driving. I don't care about auto racing in general. And I completely understand your rationale. But I'm telling you, this is a little bit of a different story than you might think of in the auto racing scene. Because this story actually doesn't take place right now. This is back in a completely different era of the sport. I do think you are going to enjoy it. Here is our interview with a race car driver. All right, thank you so much for joining us. You know, I wanted to sit down and I wanted to discuss your racing career because you raced in what, honestly, it was a golden era. Racing at the time you were running, it was different than it is now. You don't have now a guy that can just get in a car and go racing. You got to have like a million dollars to get in a race car. You can't do that. 
at that time, you could just go race and you got to do that. Right. At the time that you were running, it was completely different. There were way more tracks. Uh, there was way less safety. You would see some of the biggest names in the world that were running on the tracks that you were running. I mean, you would have some of the biggest names in auto racing traveling around the country to local racetracks or like a local fairground or wherever it might have been. And fans were coming out like crazy to see racing in that era. That's a totally different era of racing than what we see now. It's all money. It's all you got to have money or you'd never be able to do it. You raced in a completely different area. I would just want to talk a little bit about your racing career, though. You grew up in Colorado. Right. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Denver, Colorado. Where at in Denver? In North Denver. And so I'm assuming you went to North High School? Yep. Went to North High School. Right. Play any sports at North? No, I never did. I was too little to to, <laughs> to make it. Too too little to get to get on the team. I was only 130 pounds, so they they didn't need little little guys to play. I could play good, but they wouldn't let me. Yeah, do it. They just could. too small. Yeah. Well, and again, that was that was a different era back at North High School. Did you grow up in a big family? How big was your family? Well, I had eight eight of us kids. Goodness, <laughs> that's a lot of kids. Well, that's my dad had two kids before us. Okay. With another wife. Okay. And then we had, Don was the oldest of, you know, he was the oldest and he was he was a race driver, a good race driver. Okay. So is that how you actually got your foot in the door? Is that how you got started because your brother was driving? Yes. And what was he driving? He was driving midgets and he started here in Denver. He ran the first race that Lakeside ever run. And then he ran at Lakeside that, that year. And then he went up to the Northwest and raced from California to Canada on the tracks up back and forth through there. And then he came back in 46 and started running midgets at Lakeside again. Okay. Until he finally retired racing. Now, for some of our listeners, they might not know what a midget race car is. A midget race car, and we're trying to lay this out for you, you might think of the old 60s kind of roadsters that we saw at Indianapolis or that kind of thing. It's a smaller version of that, though, right? Right. And these are little cars. They're lighter cars. Yeah. But they pack a lot of horsepower in those little cars. Oh, they had off the engines in most of them at this time. After after the war, they started using off the engines. So they're running Offenhauser engines. Any idea the kind of horsepower those little dudes are putting out? I can't remember now. But they was they were powerful little cars. They though. was goers. Yeah. No roll bars on these cars. Just an open cockpit car. You got in. They're wearing what overalls. And a baseball hat. What are you wearing when when at that at that time that your brother starts driving? What are they wearing as far as a race car, uh, a race driving outfit? What are they wearing? Uh, jeans and t shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Did they put anything on their head? Did they put like a like a pilot's cap or something on their they head did, and set of goggles? Have, they did have helmets. Okay. At that time. Leather or like a no, helmet? That was real helmets. They were hard shell helmets. By the time by the time Don was driving, they were okay. running real helmets. So, Not good ones, but helmets. So how do you get in a car? How do you get to drive? Who puts you in a car just because you were around your brother and they said, well, we've seen your brother drive, so they're going to let you drive it? How do they do that? Well, I was helping my brother on his car in okay. pits, and he come over to me one day and says, hey, come with me. And so I went with him. He says, climb in this car. And uh, I go, okay. I climbed in, and he says, uh, here, put this helmet on. Yeah. yeah, I said okay. So I put the helmet on, and he says, "Now go out there." He says, "Go out and qualify because practice is over already." 
you got to go just out and, and qualify. So again, if you if you're not familiar, what they'd do is they'd go out and they'd warm up the car, run you know some hot laps and, and get That's the car right. warmed up, and now you get to qualify and see where you're going to start in maybe a heat race or something <laughs> like that. I'm assuming he told you just to go qualify. You don't get a warm up or anything. Just go qualify. <laughs> no, somebody they hurt themselves or something couldn't run, so they. He asked Don if they know somebody that could drive, and he said, yeah, I got somebody that can drive, and he took me over there and got me in the car and says, go for it. He made sure I would buckle in, and he said, go for it. Of course, I'd been around racing enough to know what you had to do to keep from getting killed. Had you driven a car at all? Had you driven, like, on a track at any time? No. This was the first time? Yeah, I just was around (laughs) racing. You're going to go qualify a car you've never driven a car before. (laughs) That's right, as far as... Actual race car, I never had driven, nothing. Where was this at? Was this at Lakeside? Lakes- no, it was at Inglewood. It was a dirt track at Inglewood. Okay, how big of a track was it? Oh, a third of a mile, half mile. No, Good size. Half. It was smaller than that. It was third a- of a quarter mile or something? Yeah, quarter maybe. It was smaller than half miles that we ran all the time. But a dirt track. Yeah. So you might not be familiar with dirt track racing. When you're racing on a dirt track, you're running down the straightaway, hard as you can, you throw the car sideways into the corner to kind of flatten out that corner to make it so you can get to that corner a little faster rather than just driving around the corner. Yeah, right. You throw it sideways. Right. And then you try not to let that rear end pass you completely That's or else right. you're in trouble. And then you hit the straightaway and you stand on it again and go again. Right. But did you know how to do any of that when you get in the car this night? Well, I watched them do it a lot of times, so I had a, had an idea what they did. But you hadn't done it yourself. I had never did. Do you it. remember? Do you remember the car? Do you remember what the car was that you drove? Not for sure. No, it was a. I can't remember. But they throw you in this car. Yeah. And they say go qualify the thing. Yeah. How'd you do? Were, are you scared to death to get in the thing, or were you comfortable enough that you no, sat, felt, felt like I felt like I'd do it? Okay. I mean, I'd have been around him enough to know that you got to use your head. You can't yeah. just go out and be crazy like most of the guys that started would just go out and crash the first night or something. Sure, sure. Because they didn't have enough brains to keep your foot out. Sometimes you don't stand on it all the time. You've got to back off and be careful. Right. You know? So you go out to qualify it. How does it go? It went good. I qualified. I f- forgot where, but I I did make the program. You made it. And. Ran the first race. Are you are you just trying at that point to stay between the fences, or are you saying I'm trying to compete a little bit? Or are you just trying to kind of figure out what you're doing? Well, I wasn't really standing on hard. I yeah. was just using my head and stay keeping on trouble. the track. Sure, but I did throw it and drive through the corners like I seen them do. I would imagine that helped a ton having your brother who can kind of tell you, "Hey, here's what to look for. That's here's what right. to watch for." I would imagine that changed a lot for you. And he was good. Yeah. He knew what to do and how to do it. So you run your first race. Yeah. And how did you do? Do you remember how you did? Not for sure, but I, I you finished. F- you finished the race and didn't end up on your head, Yeah, which right. is a plus. So when that race ends, do you do you have a ride or, or is anyone looking at you saying, hey, like maybe you can drive this thing? No. You I, didn't? No, I didn't have a ride. So what what they do when you got done? It just went back to the to the previous driver? Well, probably. I don't know for sure. But anyways, uh, I bought a car. Was that your next ride? Was a car that you bought? Yeah, no car that was somebody was trying to get rid of, and I bought it. And what was the car? What car did you buy? It was a it was an old homemade car that somebody okay. put together. Yeah, with a tractor engine or something. It wasn't a tractor, <laughs> but uh, it was an old car with like a, an industrial kind of engine or something like that. They had an it was a name for it, and I can't remember, but it was. 
it was it wasn't an off year at Ford. It was a, kind of an off breed. Okay, car of some sort. Any any good at all? Not great, but yeah, it, it got me to run in every. I ran the rest of the year. And, and it was another midget race car. Yeah. Do you remember what uh, what color it was? Do you remember what number it was? It was number twenty five, black in color. Okay. And uh, I ran the rest of the season with that car, and kept out of everybody's way. And, and I was, well, the first night that I ran, there was guys on both sides of me passing me. But in them days, if you got a wheel between the cars. You'd climb a wheel and get upside down. Yeah, so because these are open wheel cars. The car, the the wheels can touch each other. Yeah, and if they touch, it's going to lift one of you up. Or if you can get in between them, you're you got to get back out without hitting them, or else you're in trouble. Sure. And I I had guys on each side with wheels on each <laughs> oh, inside geez. of me, but I kept out of the way, and I did make it through there because of it. You know, being careful and and uh, not doing anything crazy. I finally got so I. Know what to do and, and how to do it, you know, a little bit. So how long do you keep that car? You keep that car through the season? Do you keep it a couple seasons? No, I just went through that season with it. And then did you sell it? Did you? Well, I just parked it, but I never I never raced it anymore. Okay. And then uh, my brother Wayne my brother Wayne knew a guy that had a big car that was racing up Pikes Peak. So this is a champ car? Yeah. Or a sprint car, I guess? No, champ car. It was car. a champ car? Okay. The size of Indy, the old Indy cars. The old Indy Roasters. En- yeah, the front, the front engine. engine cars. Okay. And he told him, he was looking for a driver. He said, well, my brother drives. So he said, well, get him out here. Cause of course, I knew him too. So I went out there and he said, yeah, you can drive my car. He said, I, I was up there in a sports car, but I don't want to drive a race car up there. He said, that's scary. So I got, he went and says, uh, just meet me up there and you can start running the big car at Pikes Peak. So was that one of the first races you ran after the run in the midgets? Was you ran Pikes Peak? Yeah. Before running any other, yeah, on any other tracks, you ran Pikes Peak first. Now again, if you don't know what Pikes Peak is, Pikes Peak was a what twelve, twelve and a half mile 12 track. And a half mile. It was a dirt track. You ran up the side of the of the mountain, doing the cutbacks and the turns, weaving your way up to the top of the mountain. Right. What you'd see at the bottom is completely different than what you might see at the top. You might see weather, you might see wildlife, you might see all kinds of things. But at the time, back in the 50s, probably 60s, Pikes Peak was a huge event. Oh. You had drivers coming in from the world. Oh, you bet. Big name drivers. You saw some huge name drivers running at Pikes Peak at that time. Oh, yeah. You see the Unsers, you'd see uh, Mario Andretti. There was a number of guys up there. Parnelli Jones. Parnelli Jones ran up there, he won Indy. Paul Goldsmith, uh, Eddie Sachs. There's a bunch of them guys. I probably forgot some of them, even, but they was all running up there, running up at at Pikes Peak. So was that your that was your first experience in a champ car? Was going up to Pikes Peak then? Yeah. So when you go to Pikes Peak, because you're not running like an oval track, you're running kind of a road track. One one person at a time. Or one, one person at a time, and it's just a timed event. Who gets the fastest time to make that twelve and a half miles up? Right. On one side of you, you've got the mountain. On the other side of you, you got you've got a Colorado cliff. Springs. <laughs> <laughs> you've got just a cliff and nothing on the other side of you. You better keep it between the fences on this one because if you don't, you're going off the end. There was no guardrails. No guardrails. <laughs> and you don't have roll bars on these cars. <laughs> now this car that you got, the Champ car. What do you remember about it? Do you remember? I drove from Kingsley a couple of years. Paul first. Kingsley. Yeah. Okay. 
I drove his car for a couple of years up there. The first year, I qualified, and then the next day, one of the hot dogs beat me out. And Who was that? Do you remember? Earl Kuba. He'd been okay. there for quite a few years, and he knew the road, and so he he beat me out, and I didn't get a run that year. I just qualified, but I did get to... I did get clear through the qualifying without crashing. <laughs> well, yeah, and that's a, that's a scary track because it is dirt. You're yeah. going on these cutbacks. You're going up in elevation a lot. I don't know how I don't know how high that goes up, but it goes up a long ways. Well, yeah, from seven thousand to fourteen thousand. Oh, jeez! <laughs> Can you breathe when you're getting up to twelve, thirteen, fourteen thousand? It gets where it's tough. I would imagine that and it does. the cars have a hard time too. Yeah, because the air is thinner; they don't yeah. have as much air. And, exactly. and if you're running, if you're running a car, if you don't have fire and you don't have fuel and you don't have air, if you don't have any of those three things, something's going to go bad. And when you don't have <laughs> air, your car's going to definitely run different. Yeah, I would imagine fourteen thousand feet's a huge difference up there. Oh yeah. How do you how do you practice for that? Do you just go up and, and run sections of it, or how do you practice to run at Pikes Peak? Well, they they'd give you a certain area and you run that for one day and you go to another area and run that and just practice and just yeah practice well yeah practicing to get ready before qualifying okay and then when you qualify you qualify from the starting line to the halfway mark and that's that's your qualifying that's your qualifying just just half of it yeah so how did your your first race up at pikes peak do you remember how you did well, that that year I got bumped and didn't make it. The next year, what do they? Do you remember how many how many cars they take? How many make oh, it? Twenty five. Twenty five or something. Yeah. Okay. Over twenty five usually at that time. Sure. The second year I went up there. It's the same car, and uh, I qualified and I finished eighteenth out of the twenty five or whatever. Yeah. And that was, but that's truly your first year really running it. Yeah. Because the year before you had gotten bumped. Yeah, I, all I did was qualify that first year. So then that second year, you're actually going out, you're competing in the actual race. Right. How many years did you run at Pikes Peak? Ten years. Ten years. Do you remember your best finish? Eighth. You finished eighth? Yeah. Considering you're running against some world-class drivers up there, <laughs> and they legitimately are guys that are guys that we know, guys, Bobby Unser, uh, Al Unser, Mario Andretti, Eddie Sachs, Parnell Jones, there's some big-time talent up there finishing eighth at the Pikes Peak Hill Climb at that time. That's pretty. That's pretty good stuff. That's pretty good. Here's a different question for you. Do you remember the worst year you had at Pikes Peak? <laughs> 1964. 1964. Walk me through what happened in 1964. I qualified all right, and then I in the race, I got up to 17 mile, and what's what? What does that mean? 17 mile. Well, it was 20 mile. 20 miles at the top, and I was at 17. Okay. I got to 17, and it ran pretty good. So you're you're up there a ways. Yeah. You're three miles from the finish. So right. of, the, of the race itself, you're, what, nine miles up of the race? Yeah. Okay, so you're up there quite a ways. And I looked down at my gauges, and my tachometer said zero. Well, I could hear my motor running, so I knew it wasn't, there was something wrong. I looked again, and I spun and went off backwards. End over end, backwards, down Off the, the side of the mountain, backwards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. You're, well, you're still here talking to us, so I think we know <laughs> how the story ends, but how in the world are you that high on Pike's Peak, you go off the mountain backwards, and, like, do you just go into a ditch, or are you going off the cliff? Are you going off the no, edge of the mountain? I go, went off the edge of the mountain and down the, end over end, down the mountain. What do you remember going going off? Well, when I went went off... I heard a squealing noise, and that squealing noise was me standing on the throttle trying to climb back up. <laughs> and then I realized it was the motor that was making that noise. The so motor sh- screaming because you're not touching anything. Yeah. 
So I went shut that off, and there's one good thing I, I I really had going for me. I went off backwards, and I couldn't see where I was going. It's like you didn't know what to be afraid of. Right. You're just along for the ride. As you're falling, do you have? Can you sense that you're falling? Oh yeah, I knew I was going, but I didn't know nothing I could do about it. So what are you doing as you're falling? Just hang on. Yeah, are you flipping or are you? Is it just straight back? End over end. So you're you're no, like cartwheeling backwards. The the nose would hit and then the tail would hit. The nose would hit and the tail would hit. What are you doing in the car? Hanging on. <laughs> is it is it pulling you out of the car because you're going upside down? No, I I was strapped in good enough and I I stayed into the car good. But it but it's just it's just pulling your upper body just up out of the yeah. So. We find it lit on yeah, the wheels. I don't think they have, yeah, I was going to say that. I don't think they have a bunch of pillows down at the bottom of this thing. I think you're eventually going to hit the ground. It blew you, the tires when it hit the ground. You it, land on your wheels. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> 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 and, and what happens when you land? Does the car explode? Do you, I mean. No, it just landed, busted up bad. It was really busted up. Yeah. Well, I got out of it and uh, they come down, they come down the, the mountain to help me. Well, I was out of it looking at the car, and they says, "Lay down, lay down. You're hurt." Uh, I said, "No, I'm not hurt." I said, "I'm, uh, I'm just looking at the car." No, you're hurt. Lay down. <laughs> and I said, they they're thinking you're dead. They says you're in shock, and that's why you don't think you're hurt. Well, the only hurt I had was a little scratch on my the front of my ankle where the clutch had scraped on it. And you land and it crushed the car, I'm assuming. Oh, teared the car all the pieces. So the the clutch grinds into your leg and you walk away with a literal scratch on your leg from the crash. Just a barely, you could barely see it where it scratched my ankle in the front. How high do you think you were when you went off? Like, do you have a, do you have a guess? Oh, I have no idea. You just, the mountains like this, you just go down and... But and it's it, But it's a sheer drop. Oh, it just end over end. I thought the I thought the guy flying the helicopter had said something to you. I thought he had said he could have flown under you. Yeah, that's right. And now that you think about it, when I talked to him later, he says I could have flew my plane or the helicopter under you as high as you were. But he says you'd hit the tail and then you'd hit the nose and then you'd hit the tail and on down until you finally stopped oh on the my wheel. Goodness, destroys the car. I'm assuming. Oh, tear it all to pieces completely. Do you rebuild that car or was that? No, I, you rebuilt it? I rebuilt the car. I cut half the chassis off and threw it away, and the, the body and the n- nose and the, all that, all the body works was completely... Just crushed. And the radio radio arms and the, the, all that, you know, everything yeah. that holds the wheels together, all that got all... I'm assuming that when you go racing in a situation like that, and it was always interesting to me when you'd go to races and you'd hear about people saying, Oh, I just hope there's a lot of crashes. You're on the other end of it. Cause you're, you're probably going, you're probably taking friends or family or whatever to watch the race. And they're thinking the other end, they're going, I hope there's no wrecks tonight. I'm assuming when you went down to Pikes Peak that time, I'm assuming you had family and friends at that race. Yeah. Watching the race or whatever. What are they thinking when they hear you went off, you go off the mountain? What, like, what are they thinking? Well, they, they didn't know. They didn't know you had gone off. They went. I, they knew it went off, but they didn't know how bad it, it was. Okay. So when the race who was, was over, who was there watching? Do you remember? My brother, my brother was up there, and Neil Neil Black and his family was up there. The, okay. Before I married Neil's sister in law. Yeah. And uh, she wasn't there, of course, but. Uh, but you had family and friends there, so they just knew you went off. They didn't know. They didn't know what had happened. I imagine they got to be scared to death if they hear you went off, though. Yeah, they was. And when the race was over, I hopped a ride that somebody going up to go up and tell them I was okay. 
So I hopped a ride down to see if I was okay. So and we you, missed you each crossed other. each other. <laughs> and they looked at the car, and I wasn't there. And then they didn't know for sure if how bad it was. Oh wow! So we finally did meet up, and I they said, "Well, are you all right?" I said, "I'm fine." I said, "The car's completely demolished, but I'm fine." That is absolutely incredible. <laughs> That's amazing. I want to come back to Pike's Peak in just one second because I, I know that you actually had built another car for Pike's Peak. I'll come back to that in a second. You're racing. You get the champ car and you go race Pike's Peak. Then do you start going and racing in sprint car races with that car or, or do you go start racing in other races at, at actual tracks or, or are you just racing Pike's Peak only? Well, I... After I wrecked it, I rebuilt it, and then I started racing at the tracks. So you didn't start racing at the tracks until after 64? Yeah, after 64, I started running the tracks. You started running the tracks. What kind of tracks are you running? Half-mile dirt. Half-mile dirt. Where are they at? Are they, were they just, I know there were a lot more tracks at that time. Now Colorado, they, they can't hardly find a track. But Colorado, Kansas, Missouri, Oklahoma, uh, South Dakota. All just that. all through the Midwest area. Right. Just running wherever, if there's a race. Well, they had fair dates that they'd... If they'd have a fair at a, at a track somewhere okay. at that, you know, certain thing. And that's where the race cars would go and race for the people. So are you are you just set, like you're just going down the schedule and you're saying, okay, I'm going to race here, I'm going to race here, I'm going to Or was there a circuit that you ran or were you just picking and choosing no, where you want to go? No, there was a circuit. I joined. Okay. And I, I was, uh, when I did join, I ended up being the rookie of the year. Okay. So, so your first year, you rebuild the car. You start racing these races, you win Rookie of the Year. I would imagine that you're probably a step ahead of all the other rookies because you wouldn't, you've raced a little bit in the midget. You've raced up at Pikes Peak. You're probably a step ahead of the other rookie drivers at this point. <laughs> Could be, but I did get Rookie of the Year that year. Do you remember your favorite track? What was the track? Or, or maybe you didn't have one, but was there a track that you went to and said, I just run good here. I like this place. I, it's a fun track to run. Was there a certain track that always stood out to you? Um, Belleville was the track that everybody was scared of. Belleville, that's Belleville, Kansas? Yes. Why was everyone afraid of it? Because it was banked, and when you went through a corner, you went through full bore with your foot in it because that's you'd throw it into a drift, and you'd drift clear around. It was a half mile? Yeah, half mile. What shape is it? Is it an oval? Oval, but it, it had big banks. Okay. It wasn't just a flat track. It had banks, and when you throw it into the bank, you just leave it in a drift all the way around because of the because of the steepness of the bank, you could just stand on it the whole way around. Yeah, it. right. Guys were scared to run it. Yeah, not not some of them. There's a lot of guys that didn't want to run it. It's just too fast. Yeah, and I didn't. Uh, it didn't. Even, I never even thought about it. I just went and did it. <laughs> you you liked running at Belleville though. It was fun. Yeah, I I ran there a lot of times. I had a good time. Good. I'm imagining because I I know at that time, like we talked about before, you're seeing. Big time drivers. You're not seeing just the local yokels down there trying to soup up their car. You're seeing national, world class drivers come into some of these tracks and run at some of these tracks. Who are you seeing at some of the local tracks that you're that you're racing against? Do you remember? I can't remember. There was a bunch of them, and I was busy keeping my car running. Sure. Hey, we are going to continue this interview tomorrow on the Daily Dose and finish this up. I do have a few more things that I want to get to with our race car driver there. But just a quick reminder that if you have any shopping to do, you might as well head over to lootcrate.com forward slash daily dose for all of the latest pop culture collectibles that feature your favorite TV shows, your favorite movies, and your favorite video games. June's Loot Crate theme is out. It is called Colossal, and it features items from Marvel Comics, Godzilla, Ghostbusters, and Jurassic Park. But the best part about ordering from Loot Crate 
When you check out, make sure you type Daily Dose into the coupon box. We are going to get you 10% off of your order just as a little thank you for you listening to the Daily Dose. We wanted to let you know we appreciate that so much. Hey, tomorrow is Wednesday. We will conclude our interview with a race car driver, and we will, of course, have some of the latest and greatest breaking news that is coming out in the sports world every day. You know we have to touch on those top stories when we get the chance. I have to say thank you all so much for listening to The Daily Dose today. For all of you that share the show, for all of you that tell your friends, that email us, that message us, it is all very appreciated. I have to say thank you to JSP. Could not do any of this without you. Have a great Tuesday. I will see you all tomorrow.